Hello and welcome to From the Rooker Inn. My name is John. With me is Mike. Hello, John. Hello, Michael. It's Sunday, Mike. Watford have not played a game all weekend long. What, how have you made it through this far in the weekend without having a, a Watford fix? Well, to be perfectly honest, it's probably quite timely, John, because I've had a bit of fixture congestion myself. No. Uh, I've had uh, I've had two gigs in two days. I went to see uh, Slipknot on Friday night at Tocarlo. That was one of his uh, Christmas presents. He's taken up drumming, um, so he's into his music at the moment. So I went to see Slipknot in Birmingham on Friday and then Slipknot in London on Saturday night. So yeah, two gigs in two days. So I've been uh, pretty busy, really. Yeah. Well, at our age, Mike, going to gigs is, is, is a bit, bit, bit harder to, not say go to, but to recover from. So very well done. Uh, I, 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 got, uh, I got the, oh, we're not playing from the wife. And oh, we should go and see some friends. So uh, I'm away actually in Manchester uh, uh, seeing some friends. Let's, let, let's get on what this podcast has been about for 10 years, Michael. When we share our views and our take on life as uh, lifelong Watford fans. Uh, it's been, as you you know, f- fixed congestion w- was a, was an issue this week. It, it turned out, unfortunately, not to be as uh, congested as we might have thought, because on Thursday, uh, a Watford team, very much made up of uh, young players, uh, lost in extra time uh, away to Tranmere. Well, last week we discussed. I asked you, you know, are you dis- would you be disappointed if we go out in the light of day or night? Uh, how did you feel at the end of that game? It was a it was a strange experience for me because it really is the first time that I am not upset. Well, I am upset. I don't want us to lose. I never want us to lose. But I went into that game very ambivalent about the about the result. My main focus really was that we got through the game without anyone who was going to play from the first team finches getting through without getting injured, without getting suspended. My focus is entirely entirely on the Premier League, and that's the first time as a Watford fan that I've ever gone into a, an FA Cup game like that. That said, I was really disappointed to lose afterwards. It was still you still got that exact same gutted feeling in the in the pit of your stomach, the same struggling to sleep afterwards, the same sort of thinking. God, it, I make it sound very important all this what football sporting business, don't I? But I, I, if once I, if Watford lose, I'm always playing it over in my mind. I'm sure everyone listening is the same, and I was really really disappointed. And I, I made a p- couple of posts on Twitter saying it would be a good experience for the for the team. Obviously, it frees up this weekend to, to, for the whole squad to re- recover together. And I got a few few tweets back saying how disappointed they were that this, what effectively was an under-23 team, wasn't able to take it to, to Tranmere in a bit more effective fashion. And some people sort of suggesting that it shows that our, our younger players aren't really up to it. And I, I took exception to that. Well, it's interesting, though, that they expect them to be able to, to step up, especially so many. I mean, it's not like... Could one one young player come and play in the first team? That's a very different ask of a young player than can seven or eight of them actually make that step up together and then work with four slightly older, more senior players at a very difficult away game, not only with the, the facilities, but man, that pitch that they were playing on with the bunkers and everything that was with it was a, an, another g- difficulty for them that they just haven't experienced before. And as you say, the experience they would have gained from those two games is immense. They obviously haven't gone as uh, as we'd hoped. You know, that's you know, Tranmere have put 
put five past us in in just over two games of, of football, which which isn't great. So there's there is certainly things to think about, and there are certainly negatives to take away from from going out of the FA Cup, especially when you you know you have to view it in context of the first game, don't you? Where we were three 0 up and cruising at half time, any team really should have should have seen that out. But you know, Tranmere are a a League One experienced outfit; they would have been up for it on on Thursday night. The crowd was noisy. The atmosphere was uh, was really really noisy. Really really good. Um, and that was all. It was always going to be a, always going to be a tough game, especially with you know with the club will always say that they want to win every game, and of course they they do. But I think subconsciously there absolutely has to have been an air around the place that that game simply was not a priority. You know you saw. saw Players had made appointments elsewhere. The, the doings sort of saw Ben Foster did a, a charity thing with with West Brom on Thursday night. Now he knew he wouldn't have played for the in the FA Cup anyway, but he was visibly elsewhere. And I think that's sort of a decent metaphor for for where the the club was at on on Thursday night as well. And I, I do not blame them in the slightest. But you know, the, the game itself it was it was exactly as you'd expect, wasn't it? Tranmere were on top almost exclusively for the for the first half, and they and they went in deservedly at, at half time. Ahead. Head. Uh, Watford dragged themselves back into it in the, in the second half, but weren't able to to get it over the line. So it was, you know, we've been on that end of, of those sort of cup ties before, haven't we? We've been the, the home side as a lower league side, welcoming a uh, a Premier League outfit to, to Vicarage Road, and we would have fancied ourselves if, if the if the if the roles were reversed, wouldn't we? So. Really disappointing to be out of the FA Cup. We obviously had that incredible run last year, and I was talking to a friend of mine at the at the Villa game on Tuesday. It'd be nice to, you know, we talk about having the cake and eating it. It'd be nice to drag ourselves out of the out of the Premier League mire, uh, and then have a cup run to, to fall back on to enjoy. But that really <laughs> would have been asking for for too much. So I think we can clear the decks now. This this week off is going to be hugely important as we get some good, much needed rest. Uh, physically as much as mentally I think because it's been an, an incredibly sort of stressful six weeks couple of months demanding under under Nigel Pearson since he came in so I think this will do the club as a whole some good you can only take the positive out of it but it was it was fun to play a team like Tranmere Geordie said in the WhatsApp group following the game on on Thursday uh, felt like old school uh, listening to the game not trying to find a stream somewhere or another uh, to follow what was happening um, and, and seeing so many young players play, uh, but also to, to play uh, a set of fans like Tranmere. And uh, I, I was very jealous uh, of their tequila song. In fact, I did hear uh, on my travels on Friday night, a Tranmere fan phoned up Radio 2 uh, to say uh, that you know, everything's going on this weekend with them and Manchester United and the, and the game they're looking forward to today. And uh, they, they requested tequila, uh, and it is a, it's a favourite song of mine. But let, let, you know, it maybe if we hadn't that hadn't been a replay uh, this week, we might have seen a stronger team. But we did see uh, a full-on first team put out on the pitch away at Aston Villa on Tuesday night, uh, and this fixture has been in the books for a very long time. It ended. 2-1, but the 90 minutes actually finished, Michael, 1-1. Uh, it was a late goal from Aston Villa. You were there. I was able to follow uh, and watch the game uh, online. It, I don't know. It, it didn't, I, want, I don't want to say a step back. It wasn't, because I've sort of seen in, in the Bournemouth game uh, and then in the Tottenham game, we've, we've, we've spoken about how in the first half, or at least the first half an hour, Watford really haven't sort of imprinted themselves onto a game. It's taken a little bit longer for them to do that. Uh, and in two of those occasions, we've scored, as we did on Tuesday, a goal right before half time. What we didn't see 
on Tuesday was a Watford team that didn't feel able to really imprint themselves on the second half. And why why do you think that it, they couldn't imprint themselves and, and you know push their football onto Aston Villa? I've been toying with this one all all week. I, I can't get my head around it at all. And I think sometimes we try and go too in depth into this like science of, of performances and try and work out well was it the fact that this guy was playing slightly narrow or da 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 da. Ultimately, sometimes it just doesn't go your way, and you can't put your finger on it. Sometimes you just get a performance which is a few levels below, and for the want of trying, you don't you don't reach the heights that that you expect or have, have hit in previous weeks. And I think this was this was one of those games. It was just a dud um, as far as as Watford are concerned. I think there's a big elephant in the room in as much as Ishmael Assar was missing, and I think. Uh, he is a he is a big miss. The whole dynamic of Watford's attacking threat and really their their performances as a whole change when when Sars playing. It puts the the, the opposition defence on a on a on a back foot already because they know that they're going to have to deal with this immense pace coming towards them and without him in the side that they don't have to worry about that. So I think that is a a big issue. That was a big miss for Watford and Nigel Pearson's already come out and said he's very very unlikely to to play against Everton, which. You know, at least we know where we stand. We're going to have to to make make changes and somehow deal with with that with that loss and, and replace it somehow. So whether Passetto comes in or we can find a place for 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 Xao Pedro, who knows? That's that's a, a problem for Nigel Pearson to solve over the over the the coming week. But I think that was a big problem. But also, it's just one of those one of those games where you just can't shake off, almost like a little mini hangover where you just feel a bit hazy and 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 dull all all day. Not not unwell enough not to go into work for example but you're certainly not firing on all, on all on all cylinders and it just felt like that there were patches in the game where Watford were, were dominant um, they absolutely ran Aston Villa ragged who were, who, were, who were a poor side as well they're struggling in much the same way as, as Tottenham Hotspur struggled against us on last weekend they they haven't got that sort of recognised striker um, and that was that, that was obvious in their play the crowd got onto them quite quickly they were misplacing passes whereas Watford were pinging the ball around quite nicely and as you say John we were doing the dance that we've seen in previous games warming up and, and getting into a into the game hitting our stride nicely lovely goal for lovely, lovely move goal. for the yeah, probably by far and away the best footballing move of the the entire night. Troy Deeney obviously enjoyed it, and we enjoyed it in the, in, the, in the corner there as as Watford supporters. But it was, and you hoped, right? You know, let's kick on now. The the crowd were very very restless. Um, those of you that've been to Villa Park know that when they're on site, it's a it's a it's a real noisy place to go. It's a it's a great old style stadium, really enjoyable place to go on a on a Tuesday night. But it never the night never really caught caught light from from Watford's point of view. To contrast to the the performance away at, at Bournemouth, where we knew this was a huge you know six pointer. This was as well. This was another cup tie in effect and. It just never really, never really caught light, and it's it's difficult to put to to, to put your finger on it. Um, Chalabar coming off was 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 yeah, obviously yeah. A, a, a turning point, and and Pearson's come out and said he he had had a slight knock, so um, that would explain it because it did feel like a, a strange one if it was a, if it was a tactical move. Uh, and again, I, th- I think that's probably the the point where it started going. A little bit south for Watford, they ceded control of the game when Chalabar was withdrawn, and uh, it was it was disappointing to be honest. I think it was it was the worst it was it was the worst performance I think we've seen under under Nigel Pearson certainly, uh, and it was just a bit ragged. It was a bit sort of 
it was just missing a lot, missing that, that sort of intensity, mi- missing quality, uh, and ultimately, unfortunately, missing any any points at the end of it. And I think that the way they switched off really at the end, and I think there's a there's a bit of moaning and whinging about the fact that the ref um, said there was going to be four minutes and they scored in the the 95th minute. Well, I don't think any any team who uh, champions Ben Foster and his his antics, who's the first first to admit that he he wastes as much time as possible. I don't think Watford are in really in a position to sort of complain that they scored in the 95th minute when the ref indicated there was, of course, going to be a minimum of four added uh, added minutes. I think the way that Watford probably didn't see that game out was uh, was indicative of the entire performance. Really, it was just. It just wasn't up to scratch and I think it just didn't happen for them I think they need to get it out of their system and I think it was bound to happen with these performances as well we had we've had a really really good run I think anyone that watches Watford uh, and anyone that watches football really unless you're Liverpool you're you're gonna get a bad performance on 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 a long run of matches it's just it's just the way the sport is and we've had ours now and we, we can't have many more you know, you can look at the what happened and we can pick apart some individual performances. Pereira didn't play as well uh, as Zar and, and didn't imprint himself as much as he could have done. Uh, there were moments between De La Feu and uh, Andre Gray. Is there a trust issue between those two? Uh, it, it seemed that way uh, definitely at one occasion. Uh, and, you know, that you can try and pinpoint certain things that might have happened. But I think you're right, Mike. Overall... It just didn't start. The team and the squad need to move on. A podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. Have you had a good weekend? What have you been up to? On Friday, I went to a Slipknot show. How was that? Good. And so we've had a, a football-free weekend because we're out of the FA Cup, aren't we? What do you think about Watford being out of the Cup? Are you disappointed or are you pleased? How do you feel about it? I'm happy because I'm more, I'm kind of more worried about the league. Yeah, so that leaves us free to focus on the Premier League and, and trying to stay in the Premier League. So of all the games left, is there a particular one that you're looking forward to or that you think is, is going to be important for Watford? Watford v Southampton. At Vicarage Road, do you think that's going to be a big one? Do you think Watford will be the chance of winning that? Yeah. And why is that an important one, do you think? I'm not really sure. But you're just looking forward to it? Yeah. Arlo, you're not feeling very well, so I think we'll, we'll call it a day there. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye, see you next time. <laughs> Going back to those... The fact that we weren't able to imprint ourselves uh, and we weren't able to uh, make as strong as substitutions as we wanted sort of does go back to the depth of our squad um, and where it is at this point because we are still a week away less than a week now away from the transfer window uh, closing uh, and, and yeah, I think we, we've said before this transfer window is only ever about trying to, to make good um, it's not about trying to make strides forward and the, you know, the only incoming we've had so far was, was, was Nacho and he has played twice and it's hard to judge him on what impact he'll have on the squad. He's always come on as a sub uh, in certain situations where you're either trying to control or to hold on uh, in football matches. He should be the backup for Zar uh, on, on his injuries, but he isn't quite ready. And we seem to be finding ourselves in a not quite ready position, but that could be solved over this, this next week. Uh, are we anywhere else that you think, God, we need badly 
to sign. Strikers, of course, but Danny Welbeck's back in training. We've technically got a, a new player to add to our match day squad. I think pointing out the strikers and 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 like you say, it, it, you're, it's almost dismissing it because it is so obvious. But I think it is a a point worth making. And, and with with Tuesday being the the perfect example, we don't. I don't think we should gloss over it because the the striking options are pretty bare. Um, you know, Andre Gray came on 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 Tuesday night and had a had a dreadful time of it. Um, as you, you mentioned, the issues between Delafeu and Gray, where a couple of times one could have put the other in and and didn't, or or failed to do so with a with a decent pass. And you know, Andre Gray, for all his uh, whatever you want to say about him, his confidence is obviously at an all time low, and his his performances are you know miles away from where they need to be um, for a Premier League football club trying to trying to score their way out of out of danger. So I think there is a lot of um a lot of weight on, on Danny Welbeck's shoulders. I think he, he's back fit and hopefully will play a play a part against Everton. Hopefully not any weight on his uh, his legs too much. Legs anyway. <laughs> the the exact correct amount of weight on his legs, no more, no less. Um but you know there's all all of a sudden there is there is quite a lot of um there's quite a lot of pressure on on him to, to come good and for that transfer to come good because we haven't seen any any football out of him really um, you know we missed he, he, the game that sticks in most people's mind when you think about his his what for career is that Sheffield United game where he did miss a miss a chance but you'd like to think that he'd been he's been watching everything unfolding and thinking well hang on I can I can do something in this team Watford did for all the negative things I said about Watford's performance on Tuesday they did create a few chances and with again it's that age old story with a little bit more um, a bit more of a footballing brain a bit more composure we, we we could have had another and Troy Deeney had an amazing forced an amazing save from Rayner and if that had gone in at 2-0 it would have been a very different different uh, situation but we can't be relying on just two big opportunities because we need more than that to, to score so up front you know Passetto it's, it's impossible to judge him he's played you know two halves of football in two very diff, different and difficult situations he looked there's obviously a footballer there he's not nowhere near the the quality i wouldn't have said of of Ishmael Assar so i do love though how he just slings his leg out and he's yeah. always trying to put himself in the way and it's like he's, he's going to do a damage at some point i'm sure but he's just in every single opportunity that comes his way that's the, my favorite thing that i want to see coming forward but again, like I said, I don't think he's been put in a position where we're seeing him in full effect. Um, no, you know, no, and, and what, what he not. potentially can do. No, definitely not. And I wonder. You know, I think Pereira was was relatively ineffective against Villa, and I wonder if he might be pushing for a for a start against against Everton. We'll see. But uh, in to traditional Mike Parkins fashion, there, I completely ignored your question and gone <laughs> off uh, on a tangent. So uh, thank you for allowing me that uh, that latitude uh, for a moment there, John. But. So yeah, I think strike if they can somehow get a striker in from from somewhere, that would be that would be incredible. I just think it's so so unlikely, and I think that's why you dismissive is the wrong word, but that's why you sort of gloss over it a little bit because which team who is at the wrong end of the table um, in any division in any world in any in any league in the world isn't looking for for, for new striking options. So I think we'd have to be very lucky to see a a, a decent striker come through the the doors. And I think I I, I stick I think I stick to my my previous stated view on the on the transfer window I think it's going to be very very difficult to get bodies in that are a, a massive upgrade on what we've got already yeah I think one of the one of the best things that's happened since since Nigel Pearson's come in has been the the renewed team ethic the renewed sense of teamwork the renewed sense of uh, of a unit and I, I don't think they want to disrupt that I think they want to play to that as a as a strength and I think 
I'd argue that there is there is there is strength in depth um, on the on the bench within the squad. You know, Chalabar coming off did did weaken us. Let's not forget that leaves Decore and uh, and Etienne Capoue on the on the on the pitch, and we we like to argue that's one of the best sort of midfield engine rooms potentially in the Premier League. So. We should be able to make adjustments um, for that sort of thing happening. Uh, Will Hughes is, is back in contention, which is which is good news for the for the weekend. I think he'll be he'll be champing at the bit, it, it, and it'll be good to come in if if Chalabar is unfortunately injured. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But I I I don't know. I just think I think we'll struggle to bring in bring in anything that's going to going to improve us. There's been a few murmurings about about Danny Rose coming in from Tottenham. Um, I can't I can't see that one personally. I don't. We we didn't get it over the line in the in the summer, did we? And I think we're unlikely to for that to change change now. And I think a few people have questioned um, his attitude and whether he'd be a good fit for for Nigel Pearson and that team unit that that I was just talking about. So you can always strengthen, can't you? A team like Watford at the wrong end of the table, you can always point at, at areas for for strengthening. But I think if we're going to get get out of this, I think this group of players need to recognise that they've got us into this mess. They've got themselves into this mess. Uh, and working together is is the best way of of doing it, and I don't, I don't think you can overstate the importance of that. Sort of, you know, you need to get that confidence and and belief back. You know that we've seen challenges firing in all over. That when Watford are playing well over the last couple of months, it's just been that never say die attitude. Delafoe tracking back, midfielders um, doing their thing, the defenders throwing their, their their bodies in front of the ball and and, and defending pretty well. So. You never know. I mean, Nigel Pearson hasn't ruled anything out. He hasn't been been drawn on it, but obviously you wouldn't expect him to be. Um, so you wouldn't be surprised to see Gino Pozzo and, and Scott pull a couple of names out of the out of the fire. But we can we can't. It's, it's such a fudge answer. But we can always we can always add defensively. We can always add an, another striker and and be happy with it. But we'll just have to wait and we'll just have to wait and see. But I think this team need to do it. These are the boys that that have proved they're capable. Um, they've got there's a little run of, of winnable games coming up, and they just need to to show they can do it. And I think, as as supporters, I don't think that we don't we don't need to sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think straight. I was thinking on the on the train on the way up to Villa on Tuesday. It's funny how all of a sudden, um, it wasn't the recruitment that was an issue when Nigel Pearson came in. It was the, the, the it was the boss, wasn't it? There was a lot of gnashing of teeth about Watford not having a good enough squad. When uh, when things were going poorly under under Javi Glathier and and Kike Sanchez Flores, it was all the recruitment's fault. But then all of a sudden, when Pearson came in, in turn, that we made them you know that squad looked like well beaters all of a sudden. So I don't think as supporters we don't need to flip and flop and say, well, this is the problem, that's the problem. We need new bodies. We didn't get enough in in summer. Or we've got injuries. Or oh, the manager. Blah blah blah. I think the bottom line is we're where we're at. We've got a decent squad. They need to to pull their socks up and make sure that there's more Bournemouth games and less Villa games um, for the rest of the season. And I think this is a squad that's that's capable of doing it, John. I don't think we need to to rock the boat too much. Let's let's get on with it. I think let's rock these, these boys need to roll their sleeves up and uh, and get on with it and, and and try and get get us to safety. We shall see if any movement happens in or out in the next few days, running up to the end of the transfer window. <laughs> We do like the players to take on a challenge, and every so often we like to give you a little challenge. We have several games we play, and this one is called Going for Golden. All you have to do 
is guess who, where, or when. All you have to do is answer the question in the style of the great pan-European quiz show from the BBC in the 1980s. This is Going for Golden. Hello and welcome to another Going for Golden, your chance to show off your Watford FC knowledge. Remember, you can buzz in whenever you like by pressing the pause button on the device you're listening on. If you're right, you gain the last score set. If you're wrong, then you can continue to play along, but your score won't count. We have five clues and with each you should find it easier to guess the answer. So let's play! Who am I? For five points, I played for Watford for one season on loan in the Championship. For four points, I scored three goals. For three points, I've played for 12 clubs in Italy, two of which I made zero appearances for. For two points, I was invited to Ben Watson's party. And for one point, I am extremely good looking. Who am I? I'm Gianni Munari. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Mike, some slightly more upsetting news uh, came out Watford this week. Uh, the news from The Athletic, uh, Adam Leventhal and, and Daniel Taylor bring up a story about former Watford physio uh, suspected of large-scale abuse as some alleged victims come forward. Uh, you, you read that? It was, oh, God. Uh, but uh, it's, it was upsetting and it's absolutely horrendous. But the club seemed to be dealing with it uh, and doing everything right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously hugely, hugely upsetting and and worrying, and you and straight away you feel for for everyone that's involved, and obviously it takes a lot of um, hard work for these for these people to come forward and to uh, and to progress their their story and their situation. And the most important thing, well, not the most important thing, the only important thing in in situations like this is that anyone affected gets the help and and support they need. Um, it's obviously it's just frightening. It's upsetting. It's saddening. But these, you know, these are people that need absolute support and help. And I think that's that's something that that, that Watford seem to be doing. I don't I don't think there's any doubt that all that Watford's position is is very single-minded, very clear, and that's to that's to provide support to the victims and to try and work out what happened and to make sure that 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 anything like it never happens again. Um, it isn't about uh, a club you support isn't about it's all of that is just goes out the window people have been wronged their lives will have been impacted in ways that we we can't even imagine and these people are, are brave to come forward brave to um to to make what's happened known and i think it's right that these these stories get broken because i think there's people who you know will be happening elsewhere this it's just a, it's, it's, a, it's a widespread thing certainly historically hopefully with with safeguarding measures that are that are in these days it's it's hopefully you would hope happening less, but there will be people up and down the country. I think where where this has happened, and so it's right that, that a light is shone into these 
these dark corners and yeah deeply upsetting because obviously it impacts impacts our football club but you know allegiances or anything like that are completely out the window it's just they must 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 get the full support um uh, of, of wherever they can get it and, if, and that and that involves Watford Football Club and as far as I can tell they're 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 doing the right thing so dis- disappointing saddening upsetting to read it absolutely must have been very very difficult for for Adam particularly who's who's obviously a Watford supporter very close to the club it's an incredibly difficult story to write um and upsetting for the for the football club but yeah no no two ways about it these the people involved just need everyone's help and and support so yeah thoughts thoughts with those guys and and good to see that Watford are um are, are setting up to, to deal with it correctly um yeah just that you say the right things are being done right now um and we hope everybody uh, it feels uh, better uh, and and more secure in the in the future. But before we go, Michael, we uh, have got a, just under a week before we play Everton. We, we, it's hard to sort of be quite precise with what we think Watford are going to do in that game. As we said, the Ishmael Azar gap, how it will be filled, um, or will it be filled, and we'll have a slight formation change. Who knows? But um, it's it, it, you know. I think for the rest of the season we don't have to say it's an important game every game uh, even after the great one we've had uh, is is an important game uh, unless again if we win five in a row then I think we'll be, we'll be alright but we're not going to necessarily do that what do you want to see more from that, this Watford team uh, and what do you think they've learnt I want to see a a more attackingly attackingly coherent. That's not a phrase, is it? Um, but you know what I mean. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, not even a coherent phrase. And, uh, I want to see a, a better and more consistent attacking threat from an Ishmael Assar, less Watford. Um, we didn't we didn't solve this we didn't solve that conundrum on on Tuesday against a, a poor Aston Villa side. Grealish was only was the only one really to show any signs of of of, uh, of quality. Matt Target grew into the game a little bit, but yeah, they were a poor side and we were we looked blunt against them and and, and out of ideas. Everton are a, a, isn't it funny actually with Everton as soon as Marco Silva went, um, I had a little chuckle and any. Any sort of residual prickly feelings I had towards Everton completely evaporated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the last couple of years, I've been looking at their their results almost like I look at Luton's, really, really wanting them to <laughs> to lose. Just, uh, just I've just done wanted them to do badly. But now I re- I haven't, couldn't care less about them, which is uh, which is quite nice. So going into the game without that sort of extra emotional baggage uh, for me is uh, is hel- is helpful. There could be um, an amazing but- moment where the entire stadium from all four sides every single sort uh every single corner uh bad mouthing marco silva it, it would be a joy to hear <laughs> and it could well happen i think that everton fans quickly came around to our way of thinking on our uh, of our portuguese friend there but yeah i think we do i think look we, we talked about the the transfers and uh, I think defensively we've looked pretty solid. Christian Cavaselli's back. He got he played on, uh, on on Thursday night up at Tranmere, so he's got some time in his legs. I think defensively we look okay Def- um, in the midfield. We've, if Chalabar's not not fit, then we've got Will Hughes to come in and do that role. I think Cleverly's looking to, to to return to fitness as well. It's that it's that final third which is the real conundrum that we we have to solve. Uh, and you know there were chances on 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 Tuesday night with and with a bit more composure we would have scored but we can't keep saying that because like you say games are running every game is a big game now every game is a cup tie in effect i think what is there 14 14 games left 14 or 15 games left we have to win five of them that's a third um 
and that's that's a big ask. And, and games against Everton are ones where we're going to have to win. We can't hide behind, would you take a point? You can't hide behind, well, we just need to see a good performance. They just need to win. So the bottom line is, whatever the whatever it takes to do that. So whether it's a scrappy, terrible performance and we win 1-0, or if it's a dominating performance that's like, similar to the one against Bournemouth, then, then great. But it doesn't matter. We just have to win. And for that to happen... The in the final third, we're going to have to we're going to have to up our game. Um, it can't be a repeat of, of what happened on Tuesday. I think, and I think whether that does need need a mean a, a formation tweak because without Sar, it's just not that it wasn't the same. Gerard Delafoe did make inroads of progress, and he he links up well with uh, with Adam Messina. That's a, like a really burgeoning, flourishing um, sort of link up down that side. So that's good. But on the other on the other side, there are there are massive issues. It just it just ground to ground to a halt. Um, so that's that's what they're going to need to work on this week is how they they fix that final third because we're we're running out of time to to answer the question. Danny Welbeck coming in, being fit if he can play a part, will gives us another a dimension which is which is exciting and important. I think um, I'd be surprised if if Andre Gray uh, was 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 you know trusted again in the in the first eleven. Do we see if Isaac's success doesn't leave? Do we see him? Right, you've got the the last. <clears throat> this is in the last third or whatever it is of the season. Final roll of the dice for you, Isaac. We've we've come up short at, up front a lot of times this season. Come on, come in and make yourself a hero. Probably being a little bit over optimistic there, but <clears throat> that's the that's that's what we're dealing with. And I think, yeah, I think there's going to need to be tweaks just so that we we get over the line in the in the final third. You know, is still. Um, we're still creating chances we're just not converting them and we can't afford to do that Isn't there a thing about if we beat Liverpool don't we get another extra 15 points isn't it accumulating in a rollover every single week of this run of theirs that they keep going on so whoever beats that whoever beats it must get you've got to get at least another extra four points five points it's got to be worth a few more points to the Premier League surely that's all we need to do We'll put that to him, uh, John. Perhaps you could submit that request in in writing. But of course, that does involve beating Liverpool first. And uh, yes, well, chances of that are well, we'll we'll see. But big games coming up after Everton. We've got Brighton away, which is another huge one, and then Man United away, which you know we've seen Burnley turn up there and 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 get a win. And Chris Wood afterwards, the, the striker was saying how the players certainly don't fear Old Trafford anymore. So I don't think we should fear Old Trafford either. And I think we should we should look at these three games. As as massive opportunities to really put a run together, um, but it, it obviously starts at home um, with Everton. Massive, massive game, and I think we all need to take a deep breath this this weekend and sort of enjoy enjoy the time off as supporters. Um, the the sort of pre match tingle will start coming as the as we get towards the end of the um, end of the week. But I think as supporters, we need to turn up ready to really get behind. Uh, Watford, the, it's a cup tie. They're just every game is a cup tie, and yeah, I think we just need to to give it our all and uh, and hope that the players do exactly the same. You keep saying every game is a cup tie, Mike, but we do not have any more cup ties this season. We're done. We're finished. Um, uh, but actually, I did uh, geekily uh, look ahead. Uh, we shouldn't get much more congestion in our fixture list when it comes to the FA Cup and the teams we should have been playing during the fifth, sixth and uh, semi-finals uh, shouldn't be in the cup competition uh, at that point. We're, we're, the fifth round of is a midweek round, which is going to be bizarre. Uh, the sixth round, we're due to play Burnley, uh, which uh, they've now gone out. And the semi-final is Norwich. And you'd sort of hope 
that by the time the semi-final has gone, a team languishing at the bottom of the Premier League uh, won't be in the FA Cup semi-final. So we should have a nice, well-spaced out season ahead of us. Uh, quick mini quiz for you. Geordie actually posted this on our WhatsApp group. Um, but I, don't th- I told you, don't, don't look, don't look. Uh, it's the fifth anniversary this week of Watford beating uh, Blackpool 7-2. Uh, anybody who's listened to the first episode of Hornet Heaven knows that that first episode is set around the 7-2 win at home uh, on the 24th of January 2015 uh, against Blackpool. Now, question one, Mike. Which Watford player was playing for Blackpool? Former Watford player. Uh, which former Watford player was playing for Blackpool? Oh, God. Did I, t- I did tell you that I've been to Slipknot twice in a row, John, didn't I? <laughs> <sighs> no idea. Nyra Nosworthy. Uh, oh, big Nyron. Big Nyron. Uh, who came on at halftime for Watford? Who came on at halftime? Don't know. Ben Foster. Ben no, Watson. Ben, ben Watson. Ben Watson. Yeah, you remembered. Uh, and can you name the all the players? I'm not telling you how many scored uh, those seven goals. Did Cathcart score? No. I'm going to give you no more wrong answers. Uh, Angela. Yes. Igalo? Yes. Sir Troy of Dini? Correct. One more. Who got the other one? Was it Ben was it Ben Watson? It was not Ben Watson. It was Matty Vidra. Superman. Yeah, the four goals from uh, Igalo uh, really cemented his uh, oh, hello, mate. We had a moment uh, in that game. Uh, and of course I would see that that game as the one that started uh, league run. Uh in for promotion in 2015. One of Igalo's goals in that game was absolutely amazing. Did it come off the post? And he was he was stood right in front of the sort of two yards out. It's central in the goal, and I think it came off the post and hit him square in the head. He didn't had no idea and just went in, and he uh, he ran off celebrating yeah. like he scored an absolute world. He absolutely love Iggy. What a legend! Yeah, and one of those very important games uh, for us uh, that season. And there were there were many, of course. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Oh, you're more than welcome, no problem. And thank you very much uh, for you for listening to From the Rooker End. We've been doing it for a long, long time now. And we might have some special news. Or we will have some special news uh, for you in the coming week about the next stage of From the Rooker End. Uh, we'll be back after Watford play Everton. And, uh, well, we'll keep showing our views as lifelong Watford fans. Come on, you all!